Welcome to the Health Admin Life Podcast. My name is Brooke, and I'm going to interview special guests to explore the vast career opportunities in health administration. Whether you're a clinical professional, a corporate worker, a student, or a patient yourself, this podcast is for everyone. Get ready to be inspired. Hello, current and future healthcare leaders. Welcome to the Health Admin Life Podcast. My name is Brooke, and today I would like to welcome Kenneth Wrights, Director of Operations for Primary Care at McLaren Medical Group. Kenneth, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are? Yeah, happy to, Brooke. Thanks for uh, having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, participate in, in your podcast. So, uh, as you mentioned, I work for McLaren Medical Group. That is one subsi- that is a subsidiary of McLaren Healthcare. We're based out of Michigan. Uh, you mentioned my title. I'm director of uh, prim- director of operations for primary care. So, practice management or ambulatory ambulatory care uh, is where I, I, I kind of live. Um, I have about 23 clinics, uh, kind of more of a regional director, so yeah, covering a certain part of the state of Michigan um, that I oversee. Um, I've got about seven managers that are uh, what we would call local leaders that are kind of boots on the ground, um, dealing with day-to-day operational issues. And then I'm really just that support piece for, for the managers that go to for providers that have uh, issues, whether it's with uh, compensation or contracting or uh, anything of that nature. And really... You know, I'm like kind of a mid-level uh, in my career, so I'm that bridge between uh, the, the frontline staff and the local leaders and then senior leadership uh, uh, up the chain of command. That's wonderful. Um, I know you mentioned you work in primary care, you work in practice management, and every day might look different. Can you explain to people maybe a little bit more about what your day-to-day would look like or what it entails? Yeah, so uh, my, my day, again, I have about 23 clinics, uh, kind of more of a regional director. So most days I'm traveling to different clinics. Um, I try and, and meet with my managers every other week. So we have dedicated one-on-ones that are in person, that are in whatever clinic they happen to be in at that particular time. Um, so they usually spend about three to four weeks of traveling and then uh, one week in the office not traveling. Um, Really, what I'm I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis lately, it's it's staffing challenges. To be honest with you, um, uh, which is I don't think is unique to um, our organization or, or to the area in healthcare. But uh, uh, so dealing with a lot of staffing challenges, making sure that we have the appropriate support pieces for our providers uh, to deliver care. Um, so, but really, day-to-day is just you know addressing whatever needs come up through the managers um, uh, on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis. And then really kind of uh, being that ally for my senior director, the one above me, who's going to be, uh, we're kind of like strategically planning the future of of primary care in our region and our providers. That's great. Thank you for sharing. How long have you been in the industry? So I graduated in 2014 um, from the University of Detroit Mercy with my master's in health services administration. So I started in 2012. Um, and then prior to that, uh, so it's about nine to 10 years total. Um, I, I actually was working as a patient transporter while I was in undergrad. So, you know, probably 12 to 13 years in total, but nine to 10 in like an administrative function. Great. And what made you interested in, how did you first get started? I know you mentioned you started out as a patient transporter. Um, how did you get there? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So, uh, when I was in, in, you know, I was your non-traditional college student, so I was really working for the family business and, you know, out of high school or in high school, and I was going to take over the family business. That was the original intentions um, uh, that I had. And, 
you know, working through through the family business, 2008 came along, we had a downturn in the economy. And I was at this point where I'm like, okay, so at this point I had been going to school, I got an associate degree in management, I was casually working on my bachelor's degree again, so not your typical four-year college student, but really just uh, casually taking college courses, working towards a bachelor's degree. Again, going to work in the family business, take it over, so not, not a sense of urgency. However, you know, 2008 timeline, started to uh, realize that I, I might have to consider a different path. Went back to uh, finish my, my undergraduate degree in kind of a bit more of a targeted focus. As I was on ending that, I decided to take a minor, and that minor was healthcare management. And to kind of show you how ignorant I was about the field of healthcare management at the time, I thought that I would be getting that minor and then like working in the the, the employee uh, health arena, at like a Ford Motor Company or something like that. You know, kind of just that's what I thought healthcare management was. It was four courses, and, and those four courses uh, opened my eyes to what healthcare management is and, and what I could do in that, that field. And that was really my first, that piqued my interest, uh, and the, my first exposure to healthcare administration. So I'd asked my professors, or, you know, said if I wanted to make a career in this, what would I need to do? And they, they basically said, you need to get a master's degree. Um, and then, you know, if you want to climb, climb the ladder and, and start to focus on that. So that really had me lo- looking at what master's programs existed in, in my area. So I'm from Michigan. Um, and and you know, while I was looking at um, that, I knew I had to get into the field of healthcare in some form or fashion. And that's where, you know, my, my sister actually worked for, she was a rad tech at a hospital. And there was a, you know, ha- having no background, not going to school for being clinical. Um, she had informed me about a patient transporter position. And uh, I applied for that. I got the position, and what I was planning on doing was hopefully moving up within that organization. Um, and, and some fortunate or unfortunate events, depending on how you look at it, occurred right after I started, so that that didn't happen. But um, so, but I got in as a patient transporter. Was working hard. Uh, was promoted to a team lead. I was accepted into grad school, and then started working on my two-year program uh, for grad school. All the meanwhile, I was working as a team lead in the patient transport department, networking through professional organizations, really getting involved and immersing myself into the world of healthcare administration. Because again, at that point in time, I, I knew I was all in, and, and I, you know, um, so I, so I went all in on field of healthcare administration. And then, I, go, go ahead. Sorry, so I, I love hearing people's stories, so it's great to hear yours. Yeah, good. Uh, no, happy to share it. So. Uh, you know, so I graduated in 2014 and, you know, I, I was looking for a position. It was about three months in before I found anything, but, you know, I was a top, I graduated at the top of my class and there was a certain uh, group of individuals that, that knew they were going to be in healthcare administration in the program. And we sort of, you know, coalesced together and we were always kind of looking out for each other. So um, a couple of those people already had positions, but came across a, a manager position also at the University of Detroit Mercy, but it was at a local small clinic uh, on the east side of Detroit. Um, I interviewed for that and, and was you know, accepted. I accepted the offer that they gave me, and I became uh, like a part-time clinic manager for, for that small clinic, and that kind of is where it uh, took off from there. Wonderful, and I think something you mentioned in the beginning is networking, and networking is so crucial, and I don't think people realize the power of it, so... I'm glad that it helped you kickstart your career to where you are now for the next question. I 100% agree. And when I reverse engineer my career, everything kind of ties into networking. Certainly does. 
what would you say is your favorite thing about working in healthcare? Um, so I would say when I, when I started off, um, what really piqued my interest, you know, as I learned more about it was the different sectors of healthcare administration that you can go into. You can work in a hospital or you can work in a healthcare system and operations. You can work in finance, marketing, you can go to the insurance sector, pharmaceutical industry. I mean, really, if you can think about it, uh, there's a place in healthcare administration. So I, I like the diversity, but as I, as I built my career in the field of practice management, what I really liked was the, um, uh, the unique challenges that I face every day. And that, that may sound um, uh, contrary to what people are looking for in a position, but you know, every day is uh, slightly different. There's always a, a new and unique challenge that I'm, I'm being posed with or having to tackle. And it, it's, that, that's what I really kind of think I like the most about it. Um, and I work with a great group of people. My managers are all amazing. They're really strong. Um, they're, they're strong managers, so that makes the job definitely easier. Um, but it, it's the, the, the unique and different ways that I'm challenged on a daily basis. That's great. And like you said, there's so many different sectors, and many people think that you have to work in a hospital, and that's just not true. There are so many different opportunities. And many areas need great leaders, whether it's working in a nursing home, home health. There are so many sectors that need great leaders. So it doesn't necessarily matter what your degree is, um, which is great. Maybe the higher up you go, you might need like a master's degree or further education. But there are many opportunities where you can learn and be trained on their job, which is great. And I'm glad you found a great location, great people to work with, which is so key. It's not just about the company. It's about the people you're working with and the impact you're having. 100% agree. Uh, like I said, I, I sort of stumbled on the field of healthcare administration back in undergraduate school, and it's just been, you know, um, it's been, been a very exciting journey ever since. Do you have any insights um, for our aspiring leaders listening to go into health administration? So I would say what, what benefited me the most was a number of things, you know, don't be afraid to fail. You know, you're probably going to fail and you're going to learn more than from failing than you are from from your wins but I, I would say do stuff do stuff you know so I know many people get their degree and, and they, they feel that once they get their master's degree or whatever degree they're going for they'll be able to get a job but the people that I found not only from my own personal experience but those that I found have had the most success were the ones that were most active within the field of healthcare administration so that's you know, they, they were on in professional organizations, they were on committees, they were they held positions within the university, and in our case, it was the College of Health Professions, and they were very active in the field of healthcare administration, and they, they weren't just relying on their degree to land them a position. So I would say, look to do stuff, you know, get involved, meet people, uh, join professional organizations, sit on committees, share your story, and just try and get out there as much as you possibly can to really kind of make a name for yourself. Because you know, the reality is, is, you know, everyone, there's thousands, tens of thousands of students that are getting the same degree you have. So the question kind of becomes, what else are you going to do? Or what have you done differently than, than everyone else that has that same degree? So the, the biggest piece of advice I would give is just to do stuff. You know? I completely agree. And I would add to that where the journey is so important. It doesn't necessarily matter what you want to do in the future, because you could say, I want to be the CEO of a hospital, but you don't know what that entails yet. And great, you have that dream, but 
it's going to be a long time until you get there. So you want to enjoy the process, whether you're in high school, college, in your internship or in your volunteer experiences. I would take this time to really utilize those experiences to learn, but also make an impact and help others along the way for, to help your future career. Um, there's no rush. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, you hosting this podcast is a perfect example of how you separate yourself from others. You know, you're, you're doing something that's unique and different and many people aren't doing. So, you know, this is something that's on your resume that is unique to you. You own this podcast, you own the podcast, you know, so it's stuff like that, you know, that, that I don't think people necessarily, they, they need to think creatively and outside of the box. And yeah, it's great to want to be a CEO, but like you said, it's going to take you so long to get there. Not that it's impossible and that it can't be done, but you know, you really kind of need to focus on what you're working on in, in the current moment and have more of a shorter time horizon. Um, I, you know, I think. I, I agree. And like you said, there's so many creative ways you can get involved. Like you said, this podcast, I know you also have one as well, which is incredible. And it helps other people. I don't think people realize that there's so many different opportunities in this field and there's more than just working in a hospital. So education is the first step. So I'm glad we're able to help others along the way. Um, for yeah, the next so question. You, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, you can keep going. No, so I was just going to say, yeah, you, so you, you mentioned, um, you know, what advice or what I would give and say, do stuff. And that was my advice, but also I think people need to kind of figure out how and figure out different ways to get in front of other people. So, um, you, you, you mentioned the podcast as, as well. Like I looked at myself as an early careerist when I'm like, if I had to get in front of a CEO or a senior level executive, largely, largely, they're not going to give me the time of day, you know, but if I had something to offer them, like, here, let's tell your story and we're going to give this to the rest of the world. They're more likely to open their door and invite me into their office. Same thing with professional organizations. When I look at the board members that sit on our professional organizations, they're hospital CEOs, they're entrepreneurs, they're, they're people that are well-established. And the fact that I was able to like integrate myself into that world and have a seat at that table, it would have taken me 30, 40 years to be at a table like that. But because I was active, engaged and doing stuff, I, I just accelerated that. So you know, I would say look for ways that you can get in front of other people. Which is great. And like we said before, networking is so key in this industry. So it's a great way to accelerate your career. For the next question, if there was one thing that you could improve within the healthcare delivery system, what would it be? So that's a, that's a, that's a big question. Um, right now, what we're faced with, you know, staffing aside, because I think that's unique to just the current world we're living in and, you know, in, in a, post-COVID world, even though COVID's still here, but I think that's sort of unique to this time. Um, I, what we're really being faced with from a challenging perspective is prior authorizations and living into that referral management world. Um, I mean, we have so many different uh, insurance companies that have different requirements for what requires a prior authorization and what doesn't, that it, it's, it, it's hard to keep up with it. It's hard to know when an authorization is needed. And then the timeline to, to get one approved can be challenging. So I think prior authorizations are a big issue that I know it's a big issue we're facing right now, but I think it's probably one of the bigger ones within the field of healthcare. I actually have a personal experience with this. I know I, I used to start out working at an urgent care slash primary care and cardiology office, and I had to work with patients, providers, and insurance companies all the time to get labs and procedures approved. And I know just how difficult it can be, but... Along with that, recently, I've been a caregiver for my relatives. So 
I've been on the phone for weeks after weeks, hours after afterwards, really trying to get this one procedure approved. And it's been this back and forth, which is quite frustrating. And at this point, um, this person did go on and have the procedure, but do we know to this day if it's actually covered? No. So I think there, there has to be a solution. And I know this is a big question, but do you have any suggestions that could be a solution for this? I know it's, it's a big question, um, but I think it's something that could help so many lives. Yeah, so that is a huge question, and honestly, I don't, I don't know if I'm smart enough to, to have the answer. You know, and I think you're, we're kind of, you look at the insurance side, there's, the, each insurance has their own uh, rationale for what was required for an authorization. I mean, it, it almost seems like that it's set up not to be approved, and I hate to say that, but there, there's so many different, you know, parameters in terms of what requires an authorization and what doesn't. Each health insurance is not only different, but it's, it seems like it's changing every year. And then similarly, from a, a physician or a provider perspective, not every provider practices the same way. So, you know, one one provider may have, you know, a certain decision, uh, like a, a protocol for how they uh, treat this particular diagnosis that that differs from somebody else. So, you know, there, there's kind of these two moving pieces. I mean, I would say if I had to take my best guess at that, how do we try and, and figure this out? I would say maybe try and do a little bit of patient education early on, like before they actually need health insurance. So whether that's like a, uh, a small course as a senior in high school, where they start to talk about what is a high deductible health plan, what are co-pays, what are co-insurances, you know, what is a prior authorization? So starting to educate people early on before they actually need it, um, uh, I would think would help them. So really kind of empowering them to know what to look for. And, and so that when they do make these decisions, they're not doing it uh, blindly or you know, without uh, a little bit of background on it. I think that's a great first step, honestly. And I think even going back to when I was in high school, we started implementing, I think it was like a personal finance class, which helped a lot. But again, going back to healthcare, I think there's so many people that don't understand the basic healthcare system needs and what you need to do to um, be up to date and understanding insurance and how everything works. So I really like that. And I appreciate your perspective. And I look forward to seeing how things evolve in the future. It's going to be before we end the pop. Mm -hmm. If you can go ahead, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. I, I, you know, I have a feeling that the path we're on right now is not sustainable. So we'll see. I I agree. Hopefully for the better. But before we end the podcast, I really wanted to say thank you. This has been wonderful, and I appreciate you being a guest speaker. Is there a way that our listeners can stay connected with you after the show, Kenneth? Yeah, I appreciate that. So I'm on most social media platforms. And I think actually you and I cross paths on TikTok of all places. Yep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course. So, uh, but, but yeah, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Kenneth Rates, K-E-N-N-E-T-H-R-A-T-E-S is my handle. Um, I do have my own podcast. So you want to be a healthcare executive, you can find me on there. And then I do have a website. It's a little bit outdated, but it's, you know, KennethRates.com. Um, but uh, yeah, so most social media platforms and, and those avenues that, uh, that, I, that I mentioned. Wonderful. And I wanted to thank everyone for listening. Today's show was brought to you by our sponsors, Riverside and Anchor by Spotify. To listen to more episodes, check out the link in my bio at Health Admin Life on TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube.